All right, we're back, and we have on the line with us our very own um, U.S. Congressman, Mr. Eric Burleson. How are you this morning, sir? Good morning, Alex. How are you? Doing very well. So, um, hey, um, just got to dive right into it. You know, overall thoughts from um, the debate and all that happened there on Wednesday night. Uh, it, was, it was fascinating to watch. I think they're all running, not for president, but for for vice president or some cabinet post at this point, I don't know that anybody can, can uh, really pull voters away from Donald Trump, but it was still interesting to watch. Yeah. I would say of the, of the, from the performance, I think I was, I think Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy really outperformed. I think they did. They surprised a lot of people. Um, I thought Pence was, Black, you know, disappointing, uh, really a little bit of self-aggrandizing. Um, and then I thought, um, I thought DeSantis didn't really, I think he, he played it safe. I don't think he improved any, and I don't think he lost any voters. And that's probably his strategy. I think he, yeah. if there's going to be a strategy, it's to be the last survivor of the, of the field. And, and so I, I thought it was a pretty interesting debate. I think the most interesting Back and forth were really between Vivek Ramaswamy and Chris Christie, and then with Vivek against uh, Nikki Haley. Yeah, and so um, I thought it was one of the things that really was surprising was that Pence demeaned Vivek, and everyone on stage knew it, and basically said he that he's too young to run for president. Which I I don't think I think it's kind of off putting to most people. Mm-hmm. Got it. Man, you know, as I was watching the events last night with Donald Trump being um, arrested and um, booked in the Fulton County Jail, I was thinking, like, what does my congressman think? And I, you know, you represent us and doing such a great job here in Missouri's 7th District, and you're you're representing us in Washington. You're there. Um, you're walking the halls that the president would walk in, in those meetings. Just walk us through what you were thinking, what you were feeling when you saw that historic moment last night of our, the, the first time that a president of the United States is um, having his fingerprints, putting up a $200,000 bail. What, what's your thoughts on that? It's, uh, I have anger. I have, I'm really upset about it. Uh, I'm also just sad at the state of where this nation is. And so I think that it requires us, us to take action. Um, I, I feel like, we are, we in the house are not doing enough. Um, and, uh, not just on the investigation of, of Joe Biden. If you set that aside, we know the department of justice is corrupt. We know that the FBI worked with social media to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story. We know that the FBI knew that there was a false document. You know, this just came out of the Durham report yeah. and they still investigated the sitting president of the United States. And in my opinion, we, Congress, has not done anything about it. And, and I think that we should be using every lever of power that we have to send a message to the Department of Justice that this is not tolerable in the United States of America. Yeah. Well, we appreciate the work you're doing, and, and we know Congress has the power of the purse. And there's just so many things that that, you know, are, are facing us right now. And, you know, when you're talking about the power of the purse that Congress has, 
Um, you look at us being not even being safe here in the United States because we have all of these um, terrorists coming across our border. Obviously, Donald Trump under him, we didn't have this type of a problem. And um, the Freedom Caucus, of which you're part of, um, they're attempting to basically tie the approval of the budget to the Democrats agreeing to complete the wall. Um, what's the strategy on that? And how do you guys gonna, what do, how are you guys going to make that happen? Well, the thing is, like, we voted on this. We, you know, the House uh, and leadership and everyone, we all came together. We voted on H.R. 2. So there's shit in my mind. If, if Joe Biden wants to increase, if he wants to pass a budget, then we, we held the cards in the House. And I think that we ought to step up and assert our authority, assert our presence, and at least demand some asks. And I don't think it's too difficult to ask that we, that we protect and secure the border if we're going to pass a budget. So uh, those are the kind of things that we're, I think are simple asks without having to get too controversial. Yeah. So, you know, and they started the debate with um, Oliver, Oliver song, the Richmond North of Richmond. And, you know, knowing you, you're not, I'm not going to say that you're one of those rich men yet. I guess many rich is, uh, is subjective. You're a blessed man with your wife and your daughter's there. But, um, you know, what are the budget priorities for our Congress moving forward? You know, to me, one of the things that is one of my priorities and one of the fights that I'm on is um, is to eliminate all this woke and weaponized expenditures. So with my team, as soon as we got elected and got, I put my team together, especially during that first few months, there's a downtime. Things Everybody's kind of getting the wheels on. And I dedicated a lot of that time to us working with different groups and identifying all of the areas of the budget where we knew that these line items were just were atrocious. So we, for example, identified that the United States spends $60 million a year on Davos, which is the uh, World Economic Forum where all these, you know, liberal billionaires fly in wow. on their private, private jets. Yeah. We, they fly in and then they have a, a, you know, a conference where they discuss that you and I should be eating crickets yeah. <laughs> and we should reduce our carbon footprint. And it's just disgusting that your taxpayer dollars go to that. And it's completely unjustified. Like you try to defend that. So I, my, my team and I, we found 270 line items that were examples like that. And then I, we sent personal letters to every one of the, what they call cardinals, the appropriations chairs, say, you know, saying, please cut this program. It's Davos, you know, it's a liberal program. It, it has no, you know, it's not benefiting the United States in any way. It undermines the United States. And it's, and so we sent 270 letters that have, that have accounted for uh, nearly half a trillion dollars in potential costs or it's potential cuts. Wow. And so that's, uh, those are the kind of items that I focused on when it comes to the SNAP program, the, the, the bill that's going to come forward quickly is the farm bill. And I say farm bill loosely because it's no longer a farm bill. You have 85% of the bill is what they call supplemental nutrition for needy families. Hey, Eric, what was that? What was that percentage again? What percentage of the bill? It's like, it's around, it's between 83 and 85%. Wow. Okay. And so the rest of it is these agriculture, you know, basic things that are put in place that are kind of safety nets for farmers and ranchers. Yeah. 
that if the if the crop you know if 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 a crop goes south because of weather or drought, there's insurance in place for those farmers or ranchers. That is that is a drop in the bucket in the federal budget, and really nothing, really a fraction of the farm quote unquote farm bill. But what happened is the left and liberals are they've hijacked the farm bill and put into it the SNAP program or what I still call the food stamp program. Yeah. And there was an article that came out today or yesterday, and it's on the front page of a uh, Drudge Report. You can see it. That the, what happened is the Biden administration recently loosened a lot of these rules on SNAP or food stamps. And we're talking about serious changes that have allowed for a, a, a huge increase in the number of people that are on food stamps. And not only that, but the benefits that they get. So it used to be that it was you went to the grocery store and you bought the, the basics, right? But now people, the number one item on that program is sugary food and drinks, okay? And then to, to make matters worse, now they're allowing people to buy fast food with food stamps. Are you serious? You can go to it's McDonald's and get a double cheeseburger with some food stamps? In, yes, in wow. some states where they allow these waivers, and of course those are the liberal states, people are going to um, fast food restaurants with their okay. EBT card. So Congressman Brosen, so, we, we all know that there's like this government waste, but like like you're finding out on a different level. Like this is just surprising me, the stuff that you're talking about. Is, that, is, would it, is it safe to say that, that, that the more you get to dig into it and you have the ability to do that for us here in Missouri, is these the things that you know you're surprised about? Is, are there any surprises at all? No, I'm not surprised that there's waste. What I what I am surprised at is the level of hostility that comes against a member like me who finds that, and then other Republican members would just who would prefer that I just that I didn't find it. Okay, because because it becomes a difficult challenge for them. So the chairman of the Agriculture Committee, who's carrying the Farm Bill whenever I presented these to him and others as well have presented different, different problems with the food stamp program. He doesn't want to hear it. He wants to continue the program without having a controversial fight. And why does he want to do that? Because he just wants to pass the the 15% or more portions of the agriculture portion of the farm bill. And so for him, that 15% is so important that, that he doesn't want to have a big fight about reforming the what I would call the welfare portion. Yeah, terrible. Um, they just want the farmer stuff to pass. Well, before we have to to, to move on here, Eric, I I, I want to, or Congressman Burleson, I, I'd like to find out. You know, we raised almost almost nearly forty thousand dollars for the honor flight of the Ozarks the other day on our radiothon. You had the chance the other night to watch those veterans come home. How was that experience? Oh, it was unbelievable, and I understand you guys. You're, you probably went, had to go to bed or get up just a few hours. <laughs> well, they, they came in late at night. And, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So what just, was it like? It, Tell us about the experience and what, what, did, what, what, were there a lot of people there? There was a huge crowd of patriots there welcoming them. And I had the honor of standing with the mayor as, as the first two people that kind of welcomed them off the plane. And I'll tell you, I was moved. Um, and, and really, I just the one thing I kept wanting to to remind myself is 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 that these people owe 
I owe, we all owe them a debt of gratitude. And we, and the one thing I wanted to convey to them is that when you're welcome home and that you are well loved by your mm. community. Well, thank you for all you're doing, Congressman Burley. Yeah. Well, we appreciate it, Congressman. Uh, we'll catch up with you next week sometime. And you have a great week. Stay cool out there. Enjoy your family. And thank you for all the hard work you're doing to fight for not only us in the Ozarks, but ever, all Americans, all patriots. We appreciate that very much. Thank you, guys. Go.